SAS Backwards is sponsored by Austin Lawrence Group, specializing in demand gen for SAS. It sure is noisy. I deleted 100 emails from vendors just this morning. Your buyer has gotten better at ignoring you, and you're going to need a big idea if you want to cut through all that clutter. Austin Lawrence is just the right agency to help you find it. So if your campaigns are falling on deaf eyeballs, let's talk. Visit austinlawrence.com today and let's build something bigger. Welcome to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, where we reverse engineer the success of fast-growing SaaS firms and explore strategies CMOs and CEOs are using to drive their businesses forward. Welcome to SaaS Backwards, a podcast that helps SaaS CEOs and CMOs to accelerate growth and enhance profitability. We're recording here at the Ascent Conference in San Francisco, and my guest is Guy Benjamin of Healthy. Hey, Guy, welcome hey. to the podcast. Hey, great to be here. Before we dig in, could yeah. you just tell us a little bit more about your company and your background? Yeah, so my background, I'm originally from Israel, grew up there, the youngest of four brothers. First career was a bit different. I used to be a fighter pilot in the Israeli Air Force. So flew F-16s for about 13 years. Then came to the U.S., which was about 11 years ago, and went to Yale. That's when I lived in New Haven. And then I started working at McKinsey, the consulting firm. While I was working there, I kind of quickly realized that I have no clue about my health benefits. And every time I have a question, I go to HR. They send me to a call center. Wasn't really the experience I was hoping to get. I also noticed that I'm spending more money than I should be. And there's many benefits that I'm just not aware of. So it got me thinking that there has to be a different way to access health and wellness benefits using technology. So left McKinsey about two years ago, met with investors, kind of laid out the vision together with my partners. We raised about $26 million seed round exactly two years ago, and then started Healthy. And what Healthy does is basically it's a platform that helps employees navigate their health and wellness benefits. So kind of a one-stop shop where employees can come in, choose the best plan for them and their families, find providers, book appointments, know what they're covered for, how much things are going to cost. And then on top of everything, we provide them kind of like their own personal health assistant, which is an AI-based platform called Zoe. So think about like a Siri or an Alexa that just knows everything about your health and wellness benefits. So you can go to Zoe and say, you know, Zoe, I need, my daughter needs a speech therapist. She'll tell you if you're covered for it. Where can you get it done? How much will each location cost? When they're available, she'll book you an appointment and she'll even make sure that your billing is correct. Wow, so that's a pretty comprehensive offer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I think I heard in the beginning of that that it helps with the plan selection, like when it's right. open enrollment. Yeah. In my experience, that's like one of the most fraught times. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you just dig in a little bit more on, sure. on how you guys help with that? Yeah, so first of all, you're not alone, right? 50% of employees choose the wrong plan, they're in open enrollment. And when we started this platform, we kind of focused on helping employees navigate their health benefits. But then we quickly realized that one of the biggest pain points is their open enrollment. So what Zoe will do is she'll first show you your options, right? What your employer provides you, what are the benefits that your employer provides, which plans are available to you specifically. And then she'll look at two main factors, which are the most important one, financials and coverage. So for each plan, she'll tell you how much it's going to cost you, what's your deductibles, what's your family deductibles, what's your out-of-pocket. And then she'll look at the doctors they usually go see. And she'll tell you, well, under this plan, these doctors and specialists are covered. Under these plans, they are not, right? So it can help you choose the best plan. And then eventually she'll also tell you, like, let's build scenarios for the year. Let's say you're healthy. 
this is how much healthcare will cost you next year. If you, God forbid, have a catastrophic event, this is the max you'll spend on healthcare next year. And you can also build projections saying, you know, I'm thinking about having another baby next year, or I'm thinking about having surgery, and she'll tell you how much each one of those will cost under each plan. So it really makes you a much smarter consumer when it comes time to do a enrollment. Yeah, and this is a really not transparent part of being yeah. a consumer, right? Right. I mean, I think the entire healthcare system is a non-transparent, right? Like we're not smart consumers. In which other industry do you have consumers that don't know how much things are going to cost, that go to a location without knowing how much they're going to get charged, right? Very few. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, having tried to buy a car recently, I would say it's maybe yeah, a close second. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's really interesting. The selling technology like this, though, into HR is not without no, its challenge, right? No, it's not. So how do you make this a problem that people want to solve at a corporate level? I mean, I can understand my no. motivation as an individual. Right. But in thinking about your business before our podcast, that was one of my questions for you really is, you know, where is the champion actually? Is it in HR or is there someone else? It's a great question. So first of all, what I love about HR is that they really care about their employees and they want to find ways to make it better for them, right? So we have two different ROIs, right? Obviously, first of all, we save money, right? We save money to the employee, we save money to the organization because we help that transparency. We help employees pick an MRI that charges $20 instead of $200 and then the organization saves money as well. So even if the company is self-insuring, yes, exactly. there's a so, financial right. benefit. There's financial benefits. There's two main benefits. There's financial benefits and a wellness benefit. So when I go to HR, I really focus on the wellness benefits, but because that's what they care about. That's what their job is. But when it comes time to really approve it, approve the budget, we have to go to the CFO as well and kind of help them understand that there's a ROI to it, right? If a CFO, if she doesn't see the value of the ROI, she'll never approve the budget. So we kind of like to do either a multi-thread where we we'll reach out to HR, but also we'll reach out to the finance team, or we will go with HR to the finance team and kind of build the business case around why they should invest in our technology. Our ROI is, you know, it could be 30, 50X sometimes because we don't charge that much. We charge about six to $8 per employee per month, but we can save thousands of dollars to every employee and tens of thousands to the organization. Like we can reduce your healthcare costs by anywhere between five to 15%. If you have a hundred employees, you're spending a million dollars on your employees on healthcare every year, right? And that number just increases. If you have a thousand employees, it's almost $10 million that you're spending. So if we can help you reduce that cost by five to 15%, that's significant ROI. That's a great story and a great answer to what could be a tough question, right? Yeah. So thank you. So I've done about 75 podcast interviews with yeah. founders, and uh, there seems to be a thread through about 30% mm -hmm. where the founders came from somewhere else, yeah. not software people. So I get the sense you're not a software guy, I'm right? I'm not, no. So you had an advisory consulting background. So I have an advisory consulting. I basically came to this from a pain point. And I always knew I wanted to build something. And I knew I wanted to build something that does good for society. I wanted to build something that has an infinite market. And I want to build something that I'm passionate about. And building healthy checks all those boxes. I mean, there's a fourth one that, that's, well, like, I want to work with people I love. And, you know, I have co-founders that I adore and they're, like, great partners. But when you think about it, we build a company that does great for society. There's an infinite market. And we're all passionate about it because we all felt the pain of trying to navigate your healthcare. So yeah, I don't have a software background, but we have an amazing, for example, VPRND, who is, you know, our amazing developers. We have- So that's where I was yeah. gonna take this is yeah. like, so how did you as a founder, yeah. founding group, mm -hmm. how did you sort of divide the responsibilities and who's driving the technology build? Yeah, so one of my co-founders is in charge of, you know, we were co-CEOs, but he's more looking into the 
product and the technology, and we brought amazing people to help us. Like we surround ourselves with people who are smarter than us. Our VP people, our VP R&D, our head of customer experience. These are all people that are much better than in what they're doing than will ever be. Like I'm not trying to say I'm going to be the best developer or the best product person or the best R&D person. I brought people who are really strong to make sure to bridge that gaps that I have. That's great. And is that development done here? Is it done in Israel or is it done it's in elsewhere? All of our developers are in Israel, except a few that we have in Georgia and Europe. But the lion's share of it is in Israel. And what are the benefits for you as a firm to develop in Israel? Well, first of all, the talent in Israel is something that you can't find anywhere else. I think it's people that are obviously super smart, but also super passionate about solving problems. Israel is a huge tech hub. Many companies came out of Israel from companies that want to change the world. And I think we have an amazing R&D team that we won't be able to find anywhere else. Yeah, it's interesting. We work with a charity, mm -hmm. a cancer charity that funds all its research in Israel. In Israel, yeah. Yeah, it's called it. the Israel Cancer Research Fund. Yeah. And uh, it's really great for my folks because, you know, we do a lot of software marketing. Yeah. And it's a nice opportunity to be trying to use our skills to help people. Right. And one of the things that they say to their donors is that the quality of the science is world class, but they also, they arbitrage the costs a little bit too. Yeah. So interesting. So there's not necessarily a cost advantage. It's just a it's probably, people culture. It's probably a small advantage, but it's mostly around the culture. It's mostly around dedication. It's mostly around the quality of developers that we could find in Israel. Cool. By the way, I also think that there's one thing that really works for our advantage, but also for our disadvantage. I always say that we're a group of Israelis trying to fix an American problem which is great in one way because we look at things different. And, you know, the platform we build now within two years, if you would have said it two years ago, people would have probably told us it would be impossible. And the fact that we're outsiders made it possible. But on the other hand, you know, our developers are not users of our platform because they're in Israel. So it's kind of like a double-jet sword. But I think it's more positive for sure because, again, we built something that if I would have tried to build it in the U.S., I would be meeting many no's and why we can't do it. Fair enough. Uh, there's definitely a get things done attitude yeah. in Israel, without a doubt. So you mentioned customer success yeah. when you were talking about building out your organization. How does customer success play in your success? And how are you measuring the contribution of customer success? Yeah. So we call it customer experience. And for us, customer experience is probably one of the most important things that we have because we can build a great platform. We did build a great platform, but if nobody uses it, it's meaningless. So our customer experience team is really focused on engagement. One of the things that our competitors are not doing that well is that they're just you know, selling a platform. We sell a platform and an engagement strategy. We have a whole team that's that all they're focused on, creating engagements, campaign, bringing in users back to the platform because we understand that if users don't use our platform, we can't affect their health, we can't reduce their cost, and we won't get renewed, right? So that's one of the main focus of our company. Customer experience is, is one of the most important things that we hear. And do you have any measurement? Like yeah, we measure. Could... Yeah, Can we you talk about like, yeah, of course. We the measure, engagement rates and yeah, we measure the usage rates? Enrollment. So how many people actually start using the platform, like basically set up a name, a username and password. How many people are coming back every month? Monthly active users, 90 days active user. How many people come back? What do they use the platform for? They're using it to find providers, book appointment, know what they're covered for, price transparency, using their ID cards. There's so many different things that we measure. We also measure what people are asking. Obviously, it's anonymous and in an aggregated way, but it gives our customer experience a way to come back to our customers and say, hey, look, here's the data about your usage, what your employees are asking about. Are you providing the right benefits to your employees based on what they're asking? Right. So that, that's a game changer for us because today employers don't really have a way to know what type of benefits to offer to their employees. 
right? We're the first one that actually can tell them, wait, your employees are asking about weight management benefit. You're not providing it. Maybe you should start thinking about it. That's interesting you bring that up because we've worked with a habit change organization. Yeah. And it's really hard. Habit change is like the hard one, right? right. That's, and in thinking about the reasons why to use healthy, that's maybe more continuous. Right. Right. Unless I'm remarkably healthy. Yeah. As a person, <laughs> I'm going to use the healthcare system. So you sort of have an embedded advantage in that way. Do yeah, you agree? But, yes. But even if you're remarkably healthy, you still want to do your yearly physical, your dental cleaning, your skin screening, your everything that has to do, your mammogram for women, like everything has to do with preventive. And what cool about our platform is that our platform is also proactive. Zoe will build you a preventive care plan for the year and help you basically schedule those appointments, remind you about them, make sure that you get it done. So even if you're healthy, you still should be using your healthcare. Absolutely. And I think you said that this is an employer-sponsored mm -hmm. yeah. benefit. I noticed that there's a, on your website a section for brokers. Right. What role do brokers play in recommending or, yeah, so or helping you get this system considered? Yeah, so a large portion of insurance in the U.S. is being sold by brokers. Most employers will have a broker they work with. I think we believe that brokers' role is to bring the best technology to their employers, right? They want to be in the cutting edge of technology. They want to help their employers save money. They want to provide better service to their employers to serve their employees. So we see brokers as kind of like a channel and a partner to really get to these employers and make sure that they get the best technology, right? Like today, we're a technology company, and there's not a product out there that is even close to what we are able to provide. There's many companies that provide piecemeals of what we're doing, but nobody that has our technology. And the brokers, they always want to bring the best technology into their customers. So that's yeah, that's sort of, of their point of departure, right? Exactly. The differentiation yeah. is yeah. what new do they bring? Exactly. Because yeah. the products on the insurance side are pretty right. set. And what's amazing about brokers and why I love working with brokers is they're always looking about what can I bring to the customer to differentiate, to have a better service, to help them lower their costs. They're always thinking about their customers. So they've been great partners for us. Awesome. You mentioned AI plays a role here. Yeah. And obviously AI is like, it's everywhere. Right. Everybody's talking AI. So let's talk about how AI figures in your product and yeah. product plans. So where mm -hmm. are you today and where do you want to go yeah, with AI? So we have AI across our entire platform and obviously generative AI and then chat GPT is also starting to play a part. But today AI, we use it. So the way we operate is that we take your health plans. So your medical, dental, vision, any point solution you have, any EAP, anything that has to do with health and wellness. Today, it's in PDFs, right? It's hundreds of pages long. What we do is we use AI to convert those long PDFs from unstructured data to a structured database. Now, once we do that's when Zoe can become the digital front door, that personal health assistant. Only after we transfer the data from an unstructured to a structured, which we use AI for. Now, the second part is Zoe needs to understand what you're asking. Like if a user comes in or an employee comes into Zoe and say, hey, I have back pains, I wanna know what I'm covered for. We use AI to kind of know exactly what you're asking about. Are you asking about yourself? Are you asking about somebody in your family? Are you asking about back or are you asking about something else? So there's a lot of AI there. And we're now gradually starting to use ChatGPT as well to make Zoe even smarter and make sure that it's more accurate. That's great. I mean, I think it's a great application for it without doubt. Yeah. Especially if Zoe's supposed to be conversational. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's interesting is that people are now more used to using chatbots but they're also their expectations are much higher, right? And we need to meet those expectations. There's another one of those double-edged swords, yeah, exactly, right? exactly, right. You know, the more they proliferate, yeah. the more we expect them to be good. But we also know what they don't want, what users don't want to do. They don't want to call a call center. They don't want to go to HR. 
right? And the fact that they're Wait, now, people don't want to wait on hold for 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, exactly. But also they don't want to go to HR and say, hey, I have anxiety, right? Like that's not something you're comfortable You don't want to share that. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, HR shouldn't know that's against HIPAA, right? Like that's, you shouldn't know about an employee if they're having mental health issues. And the cool thing here is that employees and users, we meet them where they want to be. They want something that instant on their phone, immediate, not calling and waiting for 45 minutes. And the fact that they are now open to it, it's great for us. I want to shift gears a little bit with you and kind of talk about being a founder. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've met other founders at different points in their journey right. here at the conference. So you're like four years into this, is that right? Two. Oh, two years. Yeah. So if you're seated next to a, someone about to start their business yeah. in like a similar but non-competitive field, yeah. what's the, sort of the key learnings that you have yeah. after a couple of years Building so your own business. I think one key learning is expectations, right? You need to expect and to understand that this is going to be a roller coaster, but an extreme one, right? Like it's going to be, I always say that I've been to war and this is the hardest thing I've done. And you got to expect that and be ready for it. Because if you're not ready for it, if you're not optimistic, if you're not resilient, you're not going to be successful, right? So that's one thing. The second thing is hiring. You need to surround yourself with people who are, one, smarter than you, but also resilient, optimistic, with a can-do attitude. Otherwise, you're going to make mistakes. And those hiring mistakes are the worst, right? It's better to keep waiting and find the right person than to hire the wrong person. So hiring is like a key part of it. And then the last thing is to, and it's a bit more spiritual, but just pause and acknowledge what you accomplished, right? When you, like, we have a tendency as founders to really dwell on what we haven't accomplished for a while. But when we do accomplish something, when we have a win, just say it and then keep moving. And what I would say for founders, stop, celebrate your wins, make sure you celebrate with the people around you because it's important. You're gonna have a lot of you know, downturns in your journey. You gotta celebrate when you're up. That's great advice. I think that's great life advice, yeah. right? I mean, our society is so always on, right? And we were yeah. like, I'm in my phone with my notes, but yeah. we're in our phones like seven, eight, nine hours a day. Yeah. And they drive us like almost to be addicted to this interaction. And, and it's hard to We're stop. very focused on what we have not accomplished yet, which is natural, right? Rick? We're trying to always accomplish, but we don't take enough time to just stop and be thankful for what we did accomplish. Yeah, I think that's so true. And it's sort of what powers you for the next thing. Right, exactly. Sort of the flip side, if you will, what have you not yet accomplished or what would you wish you had done differently? So two years in, yeah. you know, what might you have done differently that would have gotten you closer to your goals sooner? I think I would be a bit more focused for sure. Like it's hard when you build such a complicated platform where you're trying to do everything to be focused. But, you know, there are some times where you could have been a bit more focused, which I think would have been better. I think a hiring we made some early on mistakes that we could have avoided. I mean, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. but today when I look back, I think there's a few mistakes, but there's also many successes that we've done with hiring, right? Like, you know, as I mentioned, our VP people, our VP R&D, customer experience, all of our actually people that we have now with us are amazing. They're great, but it took us some time to really hone in on what kind of profile we're looking for. You know, you talk about focus. My colleague, Jason Myers was talking about a book he read. I can't remember the title, unfortunately, but among the propositions in the book was think about growth, not that I want to double my growth over the next year or two, but I want to go 10 times. Yeah. So if I want to grow 10 times in two years, that's a very different problem than if I want to double. Right. And that means you have to push a lot of things aside right. that would distract 
from that Agreed. growth trajectory. Yeah. So regardless of your goals, you have to really just pare away the things that are going to distract you, right? I agree. Completely. Hey, that's a great place to leave our episode and listeners. Yeah. Guy, if people want to learn more about your company, how can they do that? And how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so either email me at guy.healthy.co, healthy spelled like health, but with two E's at the end, .co, or find us on LinkedIn, we're everywhere. And the website is healthy.co. Yeah. And if you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, please do so wherever podcasts are distributed. And you can reach me on LinkedIn slash in slash Ken Lempit or at austinlawrence.com. Thanks so much, Guy. That was an awesome episode. Great yeah. job. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, brought to you by Austin Lawrence Group. We're a growth marketing agency that helps SaaS firms reduce churn, accelerate sales, and generate demand. Learn more about us at www.austinlawrence.com. You can email Ken Lempet at kl at austinlawrence.com about any SaaS marketing or customer retention subject. We hope you'll subscribe, and thanks again for listening.